All right, it's time for a Miami Sports Pod. And as we joked last week, it's really the Tua Pod now that he's the starting quarterback of the Dolphins and he is the talk of the town and two of the talk of our pod. Well, Manso, Clay Ferrero and, you know, Clay, after breaking down every single scenario that we could with Tua last week and all the hype going into this game on Sunday against the Rams and what would he do and would he be the reason they lose or would he lead them to a win? It ends up being where he really didn't have much to do with anything and it was really hard to judge much of what he did because of the way the game planned out. The Dolphins win, they dominate on defense, they get a special teams touchdown. And I thought for the most part, after a really awful start, Tua was fine. I, I was so angry after the game. Like just reading some of the reactions from people. I, I feel like sometimes people haven't watched football before. You know, and I get it. Look, everybody wanted to see Tua go out there and throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And always, and, oh, he's left-handed Dan Marino, and, and it's mm -hmm. the, the next. Look, situational football is more important than anything in the game. Especially and to Brian Flores. It, especially to Brian yeah. Flores, but especially to a winning football team. And you're playing a really good team who, look, I thought Brian Flores dialed up a fantastic game plan. It was clear that Jared Goff was was not going was to get lost. it done. He looked like the rookie making his first start. He did, and yet we do know that the Rams have that ability to start to put up points and yards in bunches if you make mistakes and if you allow it. So it was very clear after you scored a touchdown on defense, Jakeem Grant returns the punt for a touchdown. It was very clear that they basically said, look, as long as we don't screw this up on yeah. offense and give them short fields, they are not going to drive the field on us. So why put Tua in a position to turn over the ball? I, I just will. Yeah. It, it drove me crazy because I, I felt like yeah, well, listen, because people, people had expectations yeah. that were unrealistic. I mean, people say I, like, I didn't oh, get it. even though the Dolphins won, it, 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 this game was proof that they shouldn't have turned away from Fitzpatrick. I'll tell you what, I, I think it's the opposite. I agree. Look, if you look, the first drive that, that Tua had, his first drop back, you know, Donald strips, sack, fumble, recovered by the Rams, leads to a touchdown. It was an awful start. But then he settled down to that short passing game. And as you said, once those, once the defensive touchdown was scored and the special teams touchdown was scored, it changed the game plan. Probably a little too much so for Chan Gailey. But I do think some of that comes from Brian Flores, who probably tells Chan, like, hey, dial it back a bit, some of the stuff we planned on, because we've got ourselves a lead and this defense is playing lights out. Let's be smart. But what, what impressed me about what Tua was able to do is that he did the one thing that you always worry about when Ryan Fitzpatrick is quarterbacking. He avoided it, and that's the ugly interception. The, the rushed pass where you throw it right at a guy, and look, as good as Fitzpatrick has been this year, and, and we can all agree he's been good, he's still prone to that one or two plays a game where he throws it right at somebody. And I felt like on Sunday, if Ryan Fitzpatrick starts, and I have no proof of this because it's just not something you can prove, it's just a theory that I have, uh, something I feel, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick would have thrown an ugly pick. I think he would have been pressured in the situation and, throw, and, and, and tried to force something where Tua didn't and tried to make a play, and, and that actually could have cost Miami and gotten the Rams right back into the game. I feel that that was the best part of Tua, is that he avoided those moments after the Dolphins built that lead. And, and to be clear, there were certainly plays that were called by Chan Gailey that I was scratching. But you and I were both going back and forth. Some of the Wildcat the stuff. back-to-back -back Wildcats with Malcolm Perry had no, I made no sense. And this is why I hated the Wildcat. Well, you know, you look at the at the numbers from this game and, and people are focusing too much on the total yards and saying, oh, I, the Dolphins outgained 471 to 145. They only had 90 yards passing. It was a terrible game for Tua. What I'm looking at, Will, is look at the number of plays run. 
Rams ran 92 plays to 48 for the Dolphins. Why? Well, because you scored a defensive touchdown and a special teams you touchdown. You took away so two possessions there, yeah. That's a good thing. But the negative of that is that every NFL quarterback, I don't care if it's Tom Brady, I don't care if it's Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees talks about this all the time, you need to have plays to get into a rhythm. You need to have a chance to get the guys up to the line. You need to, so that's why I hated the Wildcat plays. I, you, I wanted you to keep going, but that's I'm with you. That's why I hated the Wildcats because yes. they had they were finding a rhythm. They were finding a rhythm, and and Tua had made, if I'm not mistaken, two nice plays. Mm -hmm. I want to say before Including one a third down conversion. Yes, yeah. yes, it was a third down conversion, and then the one before that where I think it was a third and one. I want to say it was a second and ten, and Tua made a really nice hot read. Uh, there was a guy that blitzed him, and he got it out really quickly, and it was an eight yard gain, nine yard gain, mm -hmm. and it got to third and one. And they all of a sudden went to Wildcat. And it was like, look, Tua is getting Don't the get so feel, cute. the flow. Yeah, let him get that feel. So I didn't like that. And, and so to be clear, this was not a perfect game. And Tua certainly was not perfect. I'm not saying that. But on a day when all you had to do as a quarterback to win the football game was not screw it up, mm -hmm. Tua didn't screw it up. And by the way, last thing I'll mention on this, Will, if you hadn't had so many drop passes, and, and the one in particular, Preston Williams had a couple of bad ones, but – the one that Miles Gaskin dropped on, you know, the Dolphins, it was about six minutes left. The Dolphins were... That was, that was your go-finish-the-game yes. drive, and they had already gotten a first down on that drive. It, it was, you know, it's a four-minute drill, which is you're leading, you want to get a couple of first downs, drain the clock, get out of there, whatever. Tua did everything right in that drive. Did everything right, okay. and, and uh, Chan Gailey called a nice little rollout on a third and one where he found Isaiah Ford. That was great. Then they get to third and two, and and because your playbook has already been drained a little bit, two is forced to stand in the pocket mm -hmm. and and wait for Gaskin to come up through a strike through a right dart, in between the numbers. Yeah. and he dropped it. So I feel like we're talking about this a lot differently if that ball is caught because we're focusing more on the fact that Tua, after a day in which he didn't get a lot of plays, couldn't get rhythm, he was able to make the plays to to salt the game away, which is what you ask any yeah. quarterback to do. And I think it was clear too that even before the Dolphins built the big lead. Uh, they were going to be a little careful with Tua and keep it simple with the short passing game, with the quick rollouts and hitting guys, you know, on the run, which Tua did well a couple times in the game. And I thought if you look at the two shots he took, right, one was a deep pass early to Preston Williams where Williams really just gave up on the yeah, route. Yeah, that was weird. I'm not, he was on a smaller defender. I'm not saying it was a perfect throw and he makes a play but he didn't even make a play on the ball, which was odd to me because it would have been a tough catch. It would have been an acrobatic catch. We've seen Preston Williams make acrobatic catches. Uh, didn't really give much of effort. And then the the pass to Gasicki, it's not a drop. It hit Gasicki in the hands, but the defender made a great play to yes. strip it away. But I'm not sure you could throw in that tight of coverage a better pass. It gave Gasicki a shot. It was above, you know, it was up high where Gasicki could go get it. He's a big guy. We've seen him leap and go get it. I thought that both deep balls he threw were solid throws. The Kasicki one in particular was a more than solid. That was a great throw. And I think if you gave Kasicki truth serum, he would tell you that he should have ripped that ball away and, and tried yeah. to rip the defender's arm off in the process. And to your point, <coughs> Tua had opportunities. And for the most part, yes, look, he didn't, he didn't put up the gaudy numbers, but there were so many times on, on Sunday, Will, where – if you had a franchise quarterback, you want him to take advantage of the opportunities that he has. Yeah. And I felt like Tua did as good of a job as you would want in finding ways to convert those opportunities. Sometimes his teammates didn't quite 
live up. And look, I'll say this over and over that he wasn't perfect. I mean, the first play was the classic welcome to the NFL it from was, Aaron and he Donald. He called that. He said, "Yeah, it was a real welcoming moment." You know, and, that was the moment you, yeah, you're in the NFL. Now, all that said, I, I think we're going to see a much different game coming up this week when they play Arizona because that's an Arizona team that uh, <laughs> what they're doing offensively right yeah. now is is outstanding. And so I, you're going to have to put up more points on offense, I think, because you can't you can't rely on well, Jared Goff to make mistakes when Kyler Murray's out there running yeah. around making the plays he is right now. And you know, it's what we're going to talk more about the Dolphins as a whole in a couple moments because I think you have to give the Dolphins credit for what they did. I mean, they they were as a team. Brian Flores stressed it, you know, offense, defense, special teams, but in particular defense, and then the big special teams played by Jakeem Grant. They were spectacular on Sunday. They really. They were the reason that the, that the win was there, that defense. Not, not two and not the offense, and that's not a knock on two on the offense. We've already talked about the things they were kind of limited with and, and why when they got that big lead. But here's can I, this is what I wanted to mention real quick because you see a lot of it. The Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow crowd of saying, well, look at those guys putting up huge stats. And look, Ju Justin Herbert in particular has been impressive because Joe Burrow, I think we all expected, had the goods. He was the number one pick. He's got, he's got that prototypical size. Justin Herbert does too. They play on bad teams. If I think, if I'm not mistaken, I, have, I guess I should double check before I say it, but I think they both have two wins, right? I think both teams just yep. have two wins. Yep. So it's, it's funny because right when you started this, I, I immediately went to, to their records, and yeah, yeah, the Chargers are 2-5, and five and the, the Bengals are 2-5-1. Yeah, so you talk about, what is that, 4-10-1 combined. And they're putting up huge numbers. They're four, ten, and one combined. The same theory you go with Tua, you go with it, that he didn't have to do much. Those guys have to do a lot because they're on bad teams. The Dolphins are four and three in the middle of a division race because they're a good team. They're not a good offense, a bad offense. They're a good team. Mm -hmm. Those guys play on bad teams. Here's the thing. Here's the flip side. If you're the in the crowd that's saying, well, Tua was only 12 of 22 for 93 yards, and oh my God, that's that's not impressive. So you're telling me that if next week the Dolphins lose 31-27 in Arizona, but Tua it throws for 320 yards and three touchdowns, that all of a sudden you're more on the Tua bandwagon than you were today and Sunday? Is that the way it works? Because I, I don't buy it. To me, you win games. Tua will need to, at some point, throw 35-40 passes in a Dolphins win this season. Sure. Sunday wasn't one of those games. He needed to just throw 22. It happens. It's, it's, the bottom line is they won. And I don't know if he can next weekend if they have to do it in Arizona, but guess what? I don't think Joe Burrow could have done that in week one either or week two. What Joe Burrow did, by the way, this weekend is easily the most impressive win by a rookie quarterback. That was beating Tennessee. He's got I the mean, goods. just Herbert's fantastic. Got the goods. He's got the good. Th this was also his, what, seventh game? Eighth game? Yeah. Eighth game, right? Two, five, eighth game. So there was no preseason. You asked Tua to go out there after only throwing two passes in garbage time. This was the first meaningful football that he's played since his hip was destroyed. Yeah. And he goes out there and he gets hit by by Aaron Donald and, and I don't know, was it Brockers, whoever it was Brockers, that hit him really hard. He just nailed him after, yeah. And, and, and then he gets up and he makes the plays that he needed to make in order to win. Yes. You're right. At some point, he's probably going to have to throw for a lot more than that. And yet, Will, you know, you said we're going to transition into talking about the Dolphins as a whole. So I'm going to use this as a transition. The Dolphins right now are a game behind the Bills on the loss side, a game and a half overall. Mm -hmm. The Dolphins also have the sixth best point differential in the NFL. And, you know, when you talk about power rankings and, and in particular what Vegas looks at as far as how good a team is, they look really closely at point differential. The Miami Dolphins are a really good team right now, and, and it sounds crazy to say, but 
they're playing better football than the Buffalo Bills. And, and I'm not saying they're going to they're gonna keep this up all year and, and win the division, but when you're comparing what Tua is stepping into versus what Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow stepped into, it's, it's completely different expectations as far as what the final result needs to be yeah. because Tua has an obligation to he the other to 52 try. guys to go out there and lead yeah. them to a victory by, by yeah, any means I necessary. Looked, Joe Burrow has had his lowest attempt total this year is 30. He's averaged about 36. Tua was asked to throw 22 times, and most of those were short passes as we discussed. But again, this isn't a defense of Tua. This is how you just can't compare because of the situations. The Dolphins, more importantly than Tua in his stats, the Dolphins are in a playoff race. The Dolphins, as you just said, a game and a half, one game in the loss column, they are right in the thick of a playoff race. And Clay, this is the part where we start talking more of a team picture than just Tua. I'm buying into this team. I thought going into the season, the Dolphins could have been anywhere between seven and nine games. I thought that that was their window. If everything worked out well, nine wins. If everything poorly, maybe seven wins. Obviously, if everything tanked, worse. But, I mean, I thought that that's where they fell. They're looking like they're more on the high end of that scale, of that nine-win team. In this division, nine wins, if you get the right wins, you know, if they beat the Patriots when they play again, if you can knock off the Bills, and you know, you know the Jets are terrible, nine wins can win you this division. And nine wins can put you in a position where you're in a position to get a wild card, yeah, but more importantly, win the division. And to me, I'm buying. This defense is legitimately good. What they've done the last few weeks and the way what they they destroyed Jared Goff. And yep. you mentioned the you know Brian Flores has the game plan, and we we know about the Super Bowl and the history when he was with the Patriots. But I, I believe this team, Jason Sanders, who you know wasn't asked to do much in this game, but he's one of the better kickers in the league. Shaquem Grant, we saw what he could do as a returner. Again, what about Emmanuel Agba? Oh, man. I mean, I, I, that's the, the one. scrap heap, this Oof. guy is one of the most dominant right now edge guys in the league. Six sacks on the season five of the last four games. And I'll have to go back and, and look at the updated numbers, but as of the time he made that sack on Sunday that led to the Van Ginkle touchdown, he was third in the league behind only Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett. Those two guys are pretty good. Pretty good and and he, wasn't even, he didn't even get nearly the love, the attention that, that Kyle Van Noy got. Um, but, Will, the other thing that I thought found really interesting about that game was I want to say Cooper Cup ended up with, what, 21 or 22 targets? Ridiculous. Got, 21 targets, I thought, right, yeah. Well, what does that tell you? Cooper Cup is a slot receiver. The, the Rams wanted no part of Byron Jones or Xavier no, Howard. Right. The Dolphins have two shutdown corners. I don't know how many teams in the last two decades in the NFL can boast a, a better duo of corners at this point in their career. And I'm not trying to... to to throw hyperbole out there, Will, but it's just so rare for you to have, and, and Jonathan Vilma said this on the broadcast, and he's exactly right. You wanna know why Xavier Howard has so many interceptions this year? Because nobody wants to throw it Byron Jones, yeah. and they gotta throw it somebody on the outside. So you combine that with the pass rush that they've built up. The offensive line still has some work to do, and yet they're certainly better than they have been yeah. in the last few years. I, I think if you're looking ahead to the future and the draft, potentially, they need some receiver help. They do. They need, a, running they, need, back. they need a running back. And yeah. this is where, I'm glad you said running back because this is the part that if the Dolphins are really going to make a move this year, yes, they need to run the ball. Yes, They need to take the pressure off Tua. One thing you noticed with, with the Rams is they knew that if they needed to get to Tua quick, he was probably going to try to get the ball quickly, which means you're not going to have the long plays, you know, slow developing plays. So they really pressed and put pressure on Tua, and he didn't have – 
the one thing I noticed, this one thing is it's always interesting to be at the games, and I know you get the same perspective. When you watch it from above the press box, you really see the windows, how tight they are. Yes. Dolphins receivers created no separation. Even the two plays we talked about, the two long plays, the Preston Williams, the Gisicki one, there was no room there. It was just beat your man up for the ball was the only way you're going to catch it. The Dolphins have to create more opportunities and give more windows for Tua to make the plays. I mean, the Devontae Parker touchdown, uh, oh, he was interfered with, and he sure. made a great play to hang tough. But there was no room there either. That was just a tight throw and a tight window and, and great throw and great catch. The Dolphins have to run the football. The way you alleviate that and you help that out is you get those 6, 7, 8, 10, 12 chunk yard plays running. They didn't have that on Sunday. And you're starting to see that while the magic of Miles Gaskin was so much fun when he first started a few weeks ago, magic's sort of wearing off. And I'm curious before this Arizona game, if maybe Brian Flores gets with Chan Gailey and they sit there and they say, hey, is there a way we can get Matt Breida to be better, to get Jordan Howard to do something? It's been an act of what, three straight games, whatever it may be. I, you have to think those guys can be better right now because Miles Gaskin, it's not to knock on him, but he's a good running back, solid running back, but he doesn't really give you much more than that. They need more than that right now. I don't know if it's on this roster, but if they're going to make a move this year, they need one of those guys to be better than just pedestrian. And they've got so much draft capital built up. Uh, and I think, you know, let's go back to last week when the quarterback change was announced. And, you know, you heard this on the national talk shows, and I already railed on this, so, so whatever. But, oh, you risk losing the locker room because you're, you're going from a veteran quarterback who's leading you well, to wins to a rookie. Huh? It was ridiculous. But if, if you really want to buy into that theory, and I, I don't buy into it wholeheartedly, but I do think, and we've seen this in baseball in particular, where if you go out and get an arm at the trade deadline in baseball, mm -hmm. it's kind of affirming to your clubhouse that we're in it to win it this year. And running back is one of those rare positions where you can go out and make a move, and that guy can come in and contribute very quickly. So I, I agree with you. I, th I think that if you scour the trade market this year and you call – teams view running backs as largely interchangeable. Mm -hmm. if, if you're a Dolphins team that, that is really in need of somebody to give you an extra spark, look on the trade market, and I think it would, it would accomplish two things. Yes, it would improve your running game, but it would also be a message to everybody in that locker room that, hey, we're a game and a half back, a half game – or one game back on the loss side – we're good, and, and we're going to take an extra step to win they this need, year. They, they need that because here's the thing. The frustrating part to me is I think they can win this year. When I say win, I mean compete for the division. Win the division. Yeah, yep. win the division. Hey, have a shot to win a game in the playoffs. This team is far from, from complete, and that's the beauty of it. I think that's the encouraging part with this start with Tua. When people talk about, oh, why don't you stick with Fitzpatrick? He's a little more consistent. I already talked about some of the things that Fitzpatrick can't do that I think Tua will improve on. But I think more importantly than that is you are getting Tua to now get his feet wet at the NFL level to play in meaningful, high-stress, impactful, important playoff-type games yep. over this stretch run and these final games that the Dolphins have in this push potentially to make a playoff, you know, get a playoff berth. And you're doing it knowing that you have a Texans pick that's probably going to be a top five, six pick. You have your own first-round pick. You have, you know, you have all, all the other capital that you've had and you have cap room coming your way. The Dolphins are in phenomenal position to 
find ways to improve the O-line, which needs a little improvement, but I, I like the young guys that they've got this year. Where yes. They seem like they're part of the nucleus in the future. Those guys are weapons. on the roster, yeah, on the to roster. your point. Yeah. Get weapons. I think they're certainly, you look, tight end-wise, they seem like they've done well with tight ends. They, they just this week, uh, Shaheen got re-signed, mm -hmm. and obviously Kasicki and Smythe, you know, they seem to have a nice little bunch there. They need another playmaker on offense. I think Devontae Parker's been phenomenal, but they need somebody else yep. along with him. Uh, Preston Williams, you saw on Sunday why he's not there yet because the consistency in his plays. He'll make an incredible catch and then drop two in a row and then not make an effort on a deep ball and just kind of stop the route. But the point is, if you're a Dolphin fan, and if you're listening to this, you most certainly likely are, they have the capital, the current roster of young talent, and the, I think the staff with Brian Flores really knowing what he wants to do, this team's on the rise. I really feel strongly that this team is on the rise. And, and obviously hindsight is 2020. I, I think, you know, there were some things in 2016 that you looked at and you're like, oh, well, Adam Gase is a great offensive mind and, and they're going to the playoffs and, you know, they're going to build on this and get better. But I think it was kind of like you, you weren't sure. I, I think with this team, you look at the foundation that's been laid. It's offensive line. It's defensive playmakers and and some of that on your defensive line Christian Wilkins has been outstanding Man, he doesn't he was, get enough credit yeah, he, no he's been very good yeah uh, you know because a lot of things that it, uh, a guy that, that plays his position do well it's not going to necessarily show up with that you occupy multiple blockers we don't even have a stat for that they don't have a stat for being double teamed or at least it's not so the foundation is there there is more room to make those moves moving forward mm -hmm. I think they're certainly in an outstanding position in the next couple of years, but but will I also think the future they're, is now? I think, yeah, I was gonna say they're I, in the same position this year. Do I think, it right now. You know, it's Get running like back. In this town, we've learned the last few months that you can advance a plan by a year or two. Boy, isn't that the true. Heat did it in a hurry. The Heat advanced their plan by a year or two. I don't think if you said before the season that the Heat are going to the NBA Finals in the next three or four years, you say yeah, probably. But you would have said probably around the third or fourth year, not the first year in that plan. You look at the Dolphins. If you say, hey, this is a potential playoff team. Yeah, see, I, I, think I see the growth there. They just drafted two. They've got nice pieces. I think by next year or the year after, they can be a consistent playoff team. No, no, we're talking about now. Yeah. They're in a position now where they can be. So to finish this pod and to finish the thought on Tua, there will be growing pains. I think we saw that on Sunday. I, I think it will. You'll, he'll have his moments. I think he'll have games where he's going to throw for 250, 300 yards, and they're going to lose. And they're going to have games like this where he throws for 93 yards, and they win. And that's why the I, you said it earlier about the it frustrates you to read stuff. I, I, it's not even just the fan, the irrational fan, which you could almost deal with because right. you, it's the so-called expert exactly. or analyst national exactly. going, Tua was 12 of 22, 93 yards. Well, I saw, I saw anybody, one, anybody I, could do that. So, and well, not to interrupt you, there was, there was somebody, and I think he, he may write for Pro Football Talk, to made a comment about, Oh, I'm not a fan of teams not playing their best players. Clearly, Ryan Fitzpatrick I mean, is a... I mean, Tua is their best quarterback. I, I, mean, I mean, he is. They, he, they beat a very good Rams team. The, the Dolphins, even though the Dolphins are a good team, they were still a three-and-a-half-point home underdog coming mm -hmm. into this game. That was a good team that you just... They beat By the, the way, snot every out so of the Bears on Monday ESPN night. expert picked the Rams. I, and so see, cold. that's the thing, Will, that bugs me, and I'm, I'm glad you clarified that for me. It's not just fans, although I did have one guy say that, that Tua has a noodle arm. When he was coming yeah, to yeah. Twitter, I, I was like, well, I mean, listen, I mean, what? You, you can't go by that. I mean, but, it's just. But I understand that fans, I get it. But for people that I, I think are, are in, are in game, positions where they should know yeah. more, like, come on, man. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm done. But listen, done venting. We're done, too, and we're happy you can listen again. Uh, Tua wins, Dolphins win. Uh, be happy.
This is step one. This team is playing good football. They're on to Arizona. That'll be a challenge. We'll certainly discuss that and whatever else happens in the week here on the Miami Sports Pod. Appreciate you listening.